0: Hi, welcome to Pineapple Reels. I'm your host Nia, and on today's episode, I'll be covering writer and director Carlo Mirabella Davis's Swallow that came out in 2020. Swallow is about a newly pregnant housewife named Hunter who develops a strange and dangerous compulsion to consume inedible objects in this provocative psychological thriller. Stay tuned. Some things are hard to swallow. Carlo Mirabella Davis's 2020 dramatic thriller will have you cringe in your seat as we follow the story of the young and beautiful Hunter, played by Haley Bennett. Hunter has seemingly hit the lottery, marrying into a wealthy family. Things seem to be going well, even though she lives a rather dull life as a trophy housewife, who was picked more so for her genetics. One day, she finds out she is pregnant. She should be overjoyed, right? Everyone else seems to be, and for an unknown reason to her, she begins to swallow objects. At first, it's small things, a marble, a thumbtack, and slowly but surely, her newfound hobby blossoms into a full-blown compulsion, endangering herself and her unborn child. Who can save Hunter from herself? Stay tuned, and we'll find out. What is Pika? If you're like me, when you watch this film, this is the first time you ever heard of that term. So when I heard it, I paused the film because I was watching it at home and I did a little bit of research to figure out what is pica. So apparently pica is having a craving for chewing substances or swallowing substances that have no nutritional value, such as ice, clay, soil, or paper. Pica can have causes that aren't due to underlying diseases. Um, It could be stress, cultural factors, nutritional deficiencies, or even pregnancy, like in the character Hunter's case. Another reason is you may have a vitamin deficiency, like you're low in iron or zinc or some other nutrient. So um, someone that I know when I I put on my Instagram that I would be talking about this movie and a little bit about what it was, I even mentioned the, the term pica, They reached out to me and they told me that they went through this themselves. And it intrigued me only because, like I said, until this film, I've never heard of this term. So to personally know someone that I communicate with and they went through this, I have have so many questions about what it was like to go through this. You know, watching something on film compared to being able to speak to someone who actually went through this and maybe the thought that was going on in their mind. It's very interesting. I feel like this film, maybe at the beginning or so, should have had some sort of a trigger warning just because um, some of the content could be hard for some people. Like if you struggled with Pica in the past or currently, maybe this movie is not for you. And just like um, at the end of the film, they don't really show it. Show it. They hint to. They talk around it. They don't say the actual word. They're they're not super uh, vivid with their depiction with the visual depiction of it. It's very just like a regular type of thing when they when they show it when they talk about it. And so people who may not agree with doing this, this thing, which I don't want to say because so I don't want to spoil anything for anybody at this point, um, it it might be a little bit much. So uh, there is something on IMDb that is more so used for parents that um, when their are movies like G or P- PG-13, they want to make sure the content their child is seeing it's also on there for people that will see a movie that's rated R and they're wondering, well, why is it rated R? And they'll look at it and it may say uh, graphic nudity. And if they have an issue with that, then now they can not, you know, not have to worry about running into that and they don't want to see it or experience it. So it's very cool. So if you go on imdb.com or IMDb, the app, and you scroll down to the bottom, there's a section there that will tell you in description of like, what it is, you know, if there is a a body part being shown, they'll tell you like, oh, it was a um, a side a side boob that was shown for th- approximately three seconds, and you couldn't see this. Or uh, in one scene, um, or, or or in the movie, the word the the f words used five times, and they'll tell you how it's used, or they'll quote exactly how the actor used it in the movie. So it's a pretty nifty tool. I use it for whenever I'm going to watch a movie with my nieces or nephew, just because. You just got to be careful with with, with, uh, what's in these kids movies sometimes. Um, So yeah, just so everybody knows, it's a really good tool. Alrighty, folks. This is a part of the podcast that if you haven't seen this film and you don't want it to be ruined then go ahead and pause this podcast. Go ahead and watch the movie Swallow. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And then come back, hit play, and listen to the rest to see if you had the same questions that I did or if you agree with my view of this movie. So Hunter and Richie call Richie's parents and give them the good word that she is expecting a baby and they are thrilled to welcome a new baby into this family breathe some new love and new life. So shortly after their announcement, Hunter, Richie, and their parents go out to a dinner to celebrate the news. And it's here that we get a first look at how the in-laws interact with her. At first, it's pleasurable and enjoyable for everyone. They're all laughing and smiling until Hunter is giving, is, ta- is a, talking about a story of hers and encouraged by Richie, which is like, oh yeah, tell my parents, it's so funny, y- y'all gotta listen. And she... Slightly reluctant, but she goes ahead and laughs it off and tells a story anyway. And in the middle of her talking, Richie's dad interrupts her abruptly with no apologies, no excuse me's. And talks to Richie about something in the company. And by the look on her face, you can tell that she is very shocked that this just happened. But she doesn't say anything. She just kind of chuckles at what just happened. Richie and his mother don't bat an eye and they don't say anything to him. They, they just go ahead and yield into his father and let him go on as if Hunter wasn't just, wasn't just speaking with everyone and had everyone's attention. And I feel like Hunter did that because, again, that goes into the whole I'm trying to be the perfect wife. I'm trying to be the perfect homemaker I can be. I'm, supposed to, I'm trying to be a good woman. So that means that sometimes I have to keep my mouth shut. And keep up this perfect persona because he doesn't want a wife that's going to be disrespectful to his parents, and they don't want a, a woman that's you know insubordinate to their son. It's it sucks, but that is that is what Hunter is assuming, and that's what she's thinking that her reality is. And it's at this dinner that we get the first sign, um, even though it's mild, of Pika. And it's when Hunter... She, there's a glass of water on the uh, on the table in front of her. And she she's staring at the ice. And she picks, puts a piece of ice in her mouth. And she starts crunching on it. And they look at her because she's making this loud sound. shooting on the ice. And she apologizes. But obviously this is out of her character since people... They, since they were surprised that it happened. The Conrads, Hunter's in-laws and Richie's parents, Catherine and Michael seem to care more about their family legacy versus, well, anything else. They see Hunter more as a catalyst for their son to start a family and keep their name alive. Richie doesn't really help either. It seems that he does love Hunter, but he's not in love with Hunter, more so that he loves the idea of her. He loves coming home to a beautiful wife that is in shape and is all dolled up and will dress the nines and... Cook these amazing spectacular dinners for him. And just really catered cater to his every need. And he's probably used to that growing up in this kind of lifestyle of you can have pretty much anything you want. And Hunter is no exception to that. There's even a part later in the movie where Hunt, um, Richie's mother brings up to to Hunter basically how good she has it now. And that she doesn't really have to do anything. She can just enjoy her life. Be the woman that Richie wants her to be, and be the mom that she needs to be for the family to raise this legacy, as they as they call it, or heir to the throne for the for the family business. And that's not fair to Hunter. But throughout this film, she just is very quiet, and she goes with the flow, and she just wants to be picture perfect all the time. She is a, completely aware that being with Richie is a huge opportunity, and that she's very lucky. She even tells Catherine, "I am very grateful for everything that you and your family have done for me, and I love Richie. And I just want to be, I just want to be great." She says this repeating the movie, and I feel like that may that may be a reason why why she um, ended up getting having Pika the strive to be perfect all the time and not really having an outlet definitely it seems like it took a toll on her. And you know, this movie or movies in general, sometimes they have a tone or a color scheme, some kind of pattern in them for whatever reason. And it's sometimes it's con- to convey a certain emotion or to highlight on something. Like if a movie wants you to only focus on the main characters the main characters may have more bright loud colors on the um in their clothing compared to the extras in the back that are wearing black or gray or or earth tones. So in Swallow, I noticed a few things. So the first one I noticed was when she was when Hunter was doing the nursery and she had different tints on the windows. She had red and she had blue and then she just had one that was just a regular window itself. Now, to me, I was wondering what those colors represented. Was it at the time because she didn't know she was having a boy or a girl? And so was, that, that's why she had those two contrasting colors. Was some type of, like, you know, abstract art type of thing. But in this movie, colors seem to play a bit of a part. Like, there's an, a scene where when, um, when Hunter speaks with Catherine, her mother-in-law... She the 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 whole entire scene is is cream colored like earth tones cream color it's very very muted it's very very calm there's not busy it it it's not changing it's just one linear thing and compared to Hunter and Richie's home their home has a few different colors different patterns slightly mix matchy which is you know more of a modern thing right now. But I did like the contrast of it. Even the scene later when Richie yells at Hunter, that scene where I I loved how his 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 face is illuminated by the moonlight, and then it's his whenever his attitude gets out of hand and he's yelling at Hunter his the the brake lights from the car illuminate his face now his face is red and it's angry and it's kind of showing you the two sides of of him it doesn't seem like he has a calm setting it's either I'm going to be extremely upset at you over something or I'm just going to be very nonchalant and calm and happy about it and we kind of see him go through both of those in in, in that in in the last conversation that we see him and Hunter have and I had to rewind the scene a bit because the change that he made was so drastic you know that the actor that played the uh, that played where did a very good job in that transition you know but also you, you're kind of understanding about why he's being this way in the scene you know he's very upset this man is not only losing his wife who is, he keeps trying to help but she's refusing his help now his unborn child whom he is not going to get any kind of say so about it is not around him and he's scared rightfully so he's scared and he's upset and his wife's not really giving him a chance to talk about it or or anything you know and so yes i feel like in that in that last scene that they're that they speak to each other it's it's hard because it's like you understand why hunter's saying what she's saying But you also understand why Richie is so upset with her. You know, like, he screams at her and calls her out her name. I won't say that word, but, you know, see you next Tuesday. And they were just like, whoa, how can you say that to your wife? You know, but... Also, it goes on, too, of, you know, you're married. You need to communicate with your husband and he's trying to to get you help as well. So it's hard that they're both struggling and neither one can help the other one out because neither is willing to yield to the other. We aren't introduced to any of Hunter's friends. We don't even know she has any, though later in the film, that question is answered. She doesn't really have an identity Richie and his family are seemingly the only familiars in her life, which is kind of sad because you have to think at some point in this film when you're watching, at least I did, is where are her friends, where are her family is she only just waiting for him to come home after work and just cooking and cleaning, you know, um which again I get she's a, she's a housewife, that's part of what she signed up to do, but it's definitely different. But when she was reflecting to Catherine about her past of what she did she used to work in retail it seemed like even that was was kind of boring so one has to think hmm what made Hunter so special that someone like Richie would want to be with her and it seems that it's on a completely superficial level she checked the boxes and that's why he chose her and she probably saw you know what this is a really good opportunity and i really care about him and i always wanted a family and that might be why i if we if we could have seen kind of like the start of their relationship and how it flowed that would have been cool too just to see how it was from be- how like they got together to now because at some points it seems as though their personalities don't match if you're having dinner across from your partner and you're constantly on your phone the entire time during the dinner and when they do speak to you you're kind of in and out I feel like that's kind of a sign of there's an issue if I was Hunter I would have said something like hey you know you just got home from work I haven't seen you all day let's have an hour give me an hour no phone just you and me talking how was your day and she doesn't pry and he doesn't really give her an opportunity to to pry either but again, that goes into Hunter's need to be this perfect wife. And in her mind, the perfect wife wouldn't nag on him about something like that. So she just lets it go and doesn't say anything. But you can clearly see by her facial expressions, her body posture, how she's shifting, it clearly bothers her. The next day or so, Hunter gets, gets a surprise visit from Catherine, who's Rishi's mother, and she stops by to give her a book to help her through her pregnancy. Hunter thinks her and even invites her to stay for lunch. And I believe she's making like grilled cheese and soup. And Catherine's like, "Uh, yeah, I'm good. I got stuff to do." Though, you know, Hunter keeps insisting that she stay. Catherine just kind of calms her down, like, "You know, it's not happening. I got stuff to do. It's okay." And she makes it the point to touch Hunter's hair and and tell her. Oh, you should grow your hair out long. She loves his girls with long hair. And Hunter smiles and just basically nods in agreement. But when Catherine leaves, she looks visibly upset. And that's part of her losing her identity more and more. But she is yielding to this this man, her husband, and as well as his family. She doesn't put up fights with them. She doesn't push back. She doesn't speak out a turn and at some points it's kind of it's kind of sad to see this woman not speak up for herself. It's like she's being a doormat because she thinks that's what what she's supposed to do. And there's even a part where uh Catherine later in the film asks her like you know, are you happy? Or Are you just are you pretending to be happy? And Hunter thinks for a second but ultimately it says no, I am happy. But it's not believable to us as an audience and it's truly looking like it's not believable to Catherine either as her facial expressions kind of show, I'm not buying it. And I kind of think you're with my, my son purely for his money or an opportunity, but it's just not going the way you think it's going to go. While Hunter's reading the book that Catherine gave her, she focuses on or rather pauses at the following quote, Every day, try to do something unexpected. Push yourself to try new things. Then she goes to a small box of knickknacks that she has on her dress on her dresser. It's full of small keys, marbles, stones, locks, she shell- seashells, and some small trinkets. She pulls out a orange and clear marble, puts it in her mouth and swallows. Now, she kind of lingers in this moment in the scene and. For me, what kind of got me is the audio in this scene. The audio is on some ASMR type stuff because the clicking sound of the marble, um, in her mouth as her tongue's moving it back and forth, clicking her teeth. Uh, it, it for me it just made me cringe. It, it kind of felt like <laughs> the marble was in my mouth, and it does intensify the scene. And when she finally does swallow, there's even a gulping sound. And a a smile slowly spreads across her face as if Hunter is proud of what she just did or she's just so enthusiastic about what she just did. Now, like I said earlier, Hunter is constantly worried about pleasing Richie as she is grateful for all that he and his family have done for her. Now, one day, uh, Richie's getting ready for work and he's in the closet and he's trying to put a tie on until he notices there's a stain on it. And he calls he calls out to Hunter and asks her if he if she ironed it. Which she she's honest and says that she did. And he doesn't yell at her. He doesn't have an attitude with her, but he has an extremely condescending tone when he reminds her, like, "Hey, this is made out of silk, and you can't iron silk. It needs to be steamed." Now, when I watched the movie, I wasn't really I understood that he his tone was condescending, but for a small time I'm like, yeah, it's a silk tie. Who would iron a silk tie? Someone that doesn't know, you know, certain things, which that's Hunter. Hunters know certain things and she didn't think it was a big deal. And also that goes back into her trying to be perfect. She didn't tell him that she burnt the tie, which she could have either lied and covered it up or threw the tie out. But she decided to do none of that and just hide it, maybe thinking it wasn't that big of a deal. But that kind of goes into the fact that she doesn't truly know her husband because how Richie Rishi's particular, and he wants things a certain way, and he is used to having things a certain way. So, instead of just changing his tie and calling it a day, he gets kind of in a huff because he has to change his shirt and change his pants, and now's the whole thing, and you can tell that Hunter feels very bad, and she she tells him sorry a few times, but it it's clear that it's not... It's The sorry doesn't mean anything to him, but for a Hunter, that mistake feels like a very big deal. So her picas seems to be triggered not by one thing, but by multiple things. It's basically anything that triggers an emotional response that isn't happiness. If she is sad or angry or feeling down on herself or by someone else's words or actions, that's when it seems like she's consuming something to make herself feel whole again. So After she passes the marble, which is, that's how I'm going to have to phrase it every time she does one of these, we're going to say when she passes the object. So when she passes the marble, she starts what we will later know as a collection of all the materials she has digested. The first dangerous small object we see hunters swallow is a tack. She stabs her tongue as she tries to swallow it but still forces it down after some hesitation and much difficulty while groaning in pain. After swallowing the tag, she chuckles with relief. Hunter admires her now growing body in the mirror while cradling her stomach. But she comes home late with some of his friends. It might just like maybe three o'clock in the morning or so. And they have been drinking, obviously. They stumble in drunk. Um, But he brought them back for an after party to the house. While he and his friends are downstairs, Hunter bends over and winces in pain. When she's in the bathroom, she, there, there's, a, there's blood on the toilet seat. And she finally passes the tack. And she adds the tack to her collection. Next is a montage of items Hunter swallows, a battery, a page of the book that, Hunt, that uh, Richie's mother gave her. And we look at all the other objects she's passed. Uh, and I, I paused to, to get a good view at what was on there. So what I saw was a thimble, a lock, a pawn, a crystal, a key, a nickel, a gold button, and an earring from the top of a fig- figurine. Oh, a an earring and the top of a figurine. Now the figurine, y'all, the figurine was big. So I just kept thinking, how could she swallow this item without choking? You know, let alone it pass through her body. Some of the things that they show you what was in her body is crazy. It is it is wild to to think, wow, this person was able to actually swallow this. You know, so at this point in the movie, my my uh I was very intrigued with it come trying to figure out well, how is this going to end you know why is she doing this I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of confused on, on why she would do this so so later on Richie and Hunter they go for a checkout to make sure that the baby is doing okay they get a sonogram while they're doing the sonogram the nurse finds something odd when she pushes slightly harder to get a better view Hunter wins in pain she insists she's fine, but she is rushed to the ER and they look inside and they pull out multiple small objects. They find a jack, a clothing pin, a paper clip, a safety pin, and other various small objects. Cut to they're back at the house and Richie is screaming at Hunter. Obviously he's very pissed off right now and he says, What the fuck is wrong with you? As he goes around the room and through the house and throws away any small objects he can find. Hunter is hunched over on the bed. Her face is red and wet from crying. Hunter tells him she doesn't know why she did it and that she's sorry. She keeps on saying sorry and sorry. Richie's father ends up setting up a meeting with a therapist to better help Hunter. Which... I like that the father, the father-in-law was like, hey, like she needs help. Let's, you know, we're able to go ahead and do that for her. Let's go ahead and take care of it. I really liked that. I liked that they were, you know, figuring out like, hey, there's something wrong. Let's make sure that her mental health is okay. Next, we get to see Hunter with her therapist. She tells her a list of things she enjoys following and that she guesses that she enjoys doing it because she likes the textures in her mouth. So, Richie and his family decide that it's best they bring in someone named Louie. Louie is a living nurse of sorts. They've used him in the past and they say that he's amazing. So, Hunter is reluctant to have Louie in her home, basically watching her every move. But Catherine ends up talking her into trying it out. So, Louise is doing his job. He is watching Hunter's every move. Louis tries to help Hunch prepare dinner when he sees her cutting with a big knife, but she tells him that she can do it herself and urges her to let him cook a meal for her husband. The two have a heart-to-heart one day, and he tells her that he left his country due to war. And you can kind of see how her problems are seemingly small to him compared to what he had to go through, what he had to do, before, like, he even got to the place that he's at right now. Louie is happy just for living in a world where he's not having to constantly fight. And it seems like Hunter's trying to say, you know, hey, I'm going through a lot of stuff, too. But Louis kind of looking at it like, mm, but were you fighting for your life in, in your own home country and you couldn't be there? No, it's a little bit different. And I think Hunter realizes that at a certain point because she just, just kind of backs off and, and keeps quiet simply from the expression on Louise's face. All right, so now it is Richie's birthday and Richie and Hunter decide to have a party for him at their home. And through one of the guests, Hunter finds out that Richie told his entire office about her whole ordeal. So she confronts Archie and asks him why did he tell everybody she didn't want everyone to know her business and that he should have given her at least a heads up. At first, he does apologize, but she kind of leans into it again of, you know, like, why would you do that? Like, I just don't see the point. And now she's pushing back. And and he's like, you know what? I don't want to do this right now. It's my birthday. My my friends and coworkers are here. I just want to have a good time. So I understand both sides of how, of how they're feeling. I get how Hunter feels embarrassed, an invasion of privacy of, uh, you know, now these people are looking at me a certain kind of way. They're treating me a certain kind of way. You know, a marriage is between those two people. Yes, family and friends are involved, but the family and friends are not in that marriage itself, technically. At the end of the day, it's just the two of you. And Richie's not giving her that space. He should have asked her, hey, you know, this is really hard for me as well, and I don't know how to deal with this. Is it a problem if I speak to somebody else about this? You know, And maybe tell his entire office, wasn't a good idea. Are you that close to all forty of your of your coworkers or your employees? I don't I don't get that vibe from Richie's from Richie's character. Not not at all whatsoever. But I also understand how Richie felt of I feel alone and I'm stressed out and these people I'm around most of the day don't understand what's going on with me and I just need someone to talk to. I needed someone to talk to that's not my mother or my father I need someone to be able to listen to me and I want to be able to express myself freely without having to worry about anything. And I don't think in that moment that Richie or Hunter could see the other person's point of view because they're a little bit selfish in that moment of, well, this matters to me and I'm hurt. They're both hurting in reality. Though Richie's not going through what Hunter is physically, he's still only able to watch what's happening and offer help. If Hunter won't take the help, he cannot force it down her throat. So seemingly later that night after the party, Hunter and Richie have sex. Hunter finishes first and rolls off of Richie. Richie tells her that he didn't finish and she looks at him, rolls over, and she asks for an apology. Richie kind of huffs, but reluctant. I don't want to say reluctant, but he does kind of take a moment and he does apologize for what happened for what he said and what he did but he said that he told everyone at his office because he just needed the support and it hasn't all been easy on him then hunter asks if he still loves her unconditionally to which he looks at her and furries his brow and replies of course and that he will try harder to understand what's going on with her hunter apologize apologizes as well and they continue having sex Now, at Hunter's next therapy session, Hunter tells her therapist that if she tells her therapist something, that she can't make a big deal of it. The the therapist agrees, for whatever reason, she agrees. And Hunter tells her that her mother was raped years ago, and that Hunter is a product of that. The man who raped her mother was caught, and she keeps his mugshot on her. The therapist asks her how she has dealt with it and if her mother ever considered terminating their pregnancy. Hunter states that her mother is a quote-unquote right-wing religious nut. Hunter's words, not mine. And that she, her and her family don't believe in abortion under any circumstances, even incest or rape. She insists that this has not changed her relationship with her mother or her siblings. The therapist thinks that with the therapist thinks that with just hunter what later on they are hunter and richie are back at the house and it's at this moment that we realize richie is getting information from hunter's therapist which she is not supposed to tell the information obviously it's a violation um but she does it any anyway because the family is paying her very well and she tells Him the same thing Hunter told her that she is a product of rape, and Richie is is a little upset that she wasn't he wasn't told this by Hunter. But we can obviously understand why Hunter would not want to tell him, let alone anyone, her story. It is very hard, I imagine, to tell someone that you love and care about. Hey, um, I'm I exist in this world because uh, my father decided to rape my mother, a woman that he did not know. And my mom was so scared of her religious views that she decided to have me anyway. That was a lot to unpack to someone that would also diminish this picture perfect way uh, or persona that she's, you know, trying to show Richie and other people. And I could understand why she'd be like, ah, you know what? I'm just going to keep that little ugly thing about myself that I don't really like. I'm going to keep it to myself and be quiet and no one says anything about it. In this scene, I felt bad for Hunter because it's as if she can't... She doesn't really have an outlet or someone to talk to. You're supposed to feel vulnerable with your therapist and that you can tell them anything that you would like and that no one else is going to know about it because, again, it's a violation of HIPAA. This is a very serious thing. And this therapist knows that. So it doesn't matter the amount of money. She could have lost her license for something like this. And it's very upsetting, So with Hunter, I just feel bad that it's like, wow, even my um, personal feelings, I can't keep to myself. It's like, I'm under a microscope and it sucks. But here I am. And it is partially her fault because she knows how this family is. She acclimated. She didn't push back. She didn't raise her voice. So they're going to do whatever they want. If they want to walk on her, they're going to do it because what is she going to say? What is she going to do? After speaking to the therapist, Richie runs off to the gym. And before he leaves, he tells Hunter he will buy her whatever she wants. She quietly requests a bracelet. He agrees and drives off. Hunter goes back in the house and seems to have a panic or anxiety attack. She falls to the ground and crawls under the bed. Louie hears her and runs into her room thinking something happens. He sees her tra- and uh, under the bed and he tries to get her out. But she refuses, so he climbs underneath the bed and joins her. Lui calms her down by telling her she's safe and pats her on the shoulder. They both eventually fall asleep under the bed. Hunter wakes up in the middle of the night and sneaks off to the kitchen. She frantically rummages through the drawers in the kitchen and finds a long, thin metal piece. After admiring it in the moonlight, she swallows it. Cut to Lui waking up and finds her choking and calls for help. Hunter is rushed to surgery and has to get her stomach pumped. They remove the object, which is a long, small screwdriver. Hunter and his family decide it's best to send Hunter off to get some real help, as she is reluctant to go, obviously, because she wants to stay. She pleads with them and begs them to let her stay, saying it was all a game. But Richie's father lets her know that if she doesn't agree to go, that Richie wants a divorce. As he says, as Richie turns away from her, Her mother-in-law reminds her that it's only going to be for seven months. Hunter signs the paper as she sobs quietly. They gather Hunter's things around the house as they prepare to say their goodbyes. When they're outside, Hunter states that she needs to go back in as she forgot her charger. And they tell her that she doesn't need it, but she insists on going in and getting it herself without anyone's help. She goes inside and grabs her charger. And as a final walk of the house, we see Louie run to the bathroom, open the door and open the window and turn the water on. And then he comes outside and Richie and his family are wondering where Hunter is. Louie just says that she's in the bathroom. Then we see that Hunter is, in reality, running through the woods. And she comes to the highway and she's hitchhiking trying to catch a ride from somebody to anywhere. And... As soon as Hunter finally gets a, gets a ride and she goes down the road, that's when Richie and his family finally uh, barge into the bath and realize that Hunter's not here. She's gone. She's escaped. We see that Hunter is now outside of a motel. And before she goes in the motel, she grabs two handfuls of dirt and shoves them in her jacket pocket. And she ends up calling Richie to explain everything that happened saying that she rushed into things to make him happy, like where they live and the baby, because she wanted to make him happy. He tells her that he misses her and wants things to go back to how they used to be and for her to just come back home. She says that she misses him too, but tells him no to coming back. He asks her, what will you do? Live on the street? You're not good at anything at all. And this is the part where we see Richie kind of morph into... Who he truly is, or who he was going to be anyway, so he just berates her with just these ugly words that you don't want to hear but someone that you care about, but we have to also remember that he is he did try to help her, and she is pregnant, and that is his baby as well too, and she's not giving him any kind of comfort or say so or or anything. she's just running away from everything from him. Her responsibilities, her commitment to her partner, everything, and it's it's it, it is a lot going on. But Richie lets her know that he says, "You come back, or I will hunt you down." In the red light, like I said earlier, the red light it shines on his face, and it just shows like the evilness inside him, and he reveals his true feelings. Richie and his family only care about themselves and their legacy. This new baby, whether it's a boy or a girl, will be the next in line. Hunter is only there to serve a purpose for the betterment of their bloodline. She hangs the phone as Richie yells at her. She then smashes her phone to pieces. She spends the night eating the dirt from her pockets and watching TV. The next morning, she checks out of the motel. Using a nearby payphone, yes, y'all, a payphone, she calls her mother. (laughs) She tells her mom that she needs to see her. And at first, her mother says it's okay and she sounds happy that Hunter will be coming. And she lets Hunter know that, hey, you know, your sister's here with the baby and, you know, there, there's just no room. And you can hear the reluctancy in her mother's voice and the desperation in Hunter's voice. It's a daughter wanting to be accepted by her mother and a mother trying to accept her daughter, but only seeing the part of her that she wants to forget. And... That has to be a hard thing to go through. You know, your religion or your viewpoint is telling you can't do a certain thing. You must go through with it. And you do so. You do right by your God or your higher power or you honor what your parents are telling you. But this child didn't come out of a love situation. It was truly forced upon you. And you're having to take care of this being. That had to be extremely difficult for her mother to go through. And we only can imagine how that affected Hunter as a child, how she accepted love and how and what she thought love is supposed to be, how she moved in in this earth. All that takes a big, big toll. The next morning when she checks out, she hitches a ride to a home and it looks like a kid's birthday party is going on here. Upon arrival, she goes to the restroom and throws up the the dirt from earlier the father of the birthday girl looks at Hunter and says he swears they've met before, though Hunter tells him that's not correct. She tells him that Joy McCoy is her mother and he excuses his daughter from the room. Now, you can see the fear in his face, and this is when we kind of realize as an audience hey, this is her dad. And his face is of terror, his face is of regret. He's scared of what does this girl want? What could she possibly want for me after all these years?" And he asks her, "What are you here for to ruin my life?" And she lets him know that she hasn't decided yet. He reaches out to touch her and she screams at him not to touch her, and that she makes the rules here. She asks him why he did what he did to her mother. He replies with "It made him feel special, powerful and like a god. And when he says this, it's like he's reliving the moment of what happened. He's re- he's reliving his younger days for a brief moment. He also tells her while in jail, he was beat repeatedly and like a low life. And... We don't feel bad for him. I at least I didn't feel bad for him when he said that in the scene. I was like, well, that's what you get. You shouldn't have did what you did. You know, like that's instant karma out of water for what you just did to her mother and what she had to suffer. So Hunter eventually asked him asks him if he's ashamed of her. He says no, but he is ashamed of what he did. Hunter asks him if she's like him, and he says I don't I don't know as he doesn't know her but hunter asks him again saying that she needs to hear him say it and he gives her that and he tells her she did nothing wrong and it's not her fault hunter later goes to a it looks like a mall like a shopping mall and she goes to what appears to be some sort of clinic and an abortion clinic and the woman's talking to her about seems like medication and when when to take when to take it, and it cuts to Hunter in a mall and eating from the, in the food court, and she has a hexagon uh, shaped pill that she takes, and then later we see her in the restroom of that same mall, and in the toilet is it looks like bloods in the toilet, and she just sits on the floor for a moment after after doing that, looks in the mirror when she gets out of the bathroom and walks out. And that's how this movie ends. It wasn't wrapped up in a bow. But the ending was... To me, it was a lot. I wasn't expecting this to happen. And also, we don't... There's not a time stamp in the movie. So we don't know how long uh, this has been going on. We don't know if she's four months pregnant, six months pregnant. And I wish I we did know. Because I was curious of, is this a... Um, like, what is it? I think it's called long-term abortion or some I forgot the exact term, but there's a term that you use when you're far along in your pregnancy past the usual three month mark and you're needing an abortion for medical reasons and they'll give it to you. And because we saw that Hunter was pregnant and showing before and she's a smaller framed woman I don't see her being three months or less and she's showing that way. I thought that she was maybe five or six months and she was, and she was showing. So I wish we knew how far along she was at that moment to see what would happen and what was going on in her mind. Like, why did she decide to have an abortion? Is it it because she did not want to be a mom? Is it because it was just, she, it was too much responsibility or what she didn't want in the first place. Um, could she not give the baby to, um, to Richie's family, or maybe she she don't want to have a baby and give it to that family, and they raise it a certain kind of way that she doesn't agree with her the way that maybe Richie was raised, and she doesn't want that, and it 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 makes sense from her upbringing of maybe why she wouldn't want to bring another life into this world. I, I just had so many questions in that last scene. And I I watched it down to like the entire credits until it disappeared on the screen because I was just like, there has to be something else, right? Right? And we're just left with this feeling of, wow, she just, she's, that's it. Like she's, she's done. And I have nothing against anybody that has had one or is going, or. Plans on getting one. I believe that's someone that's someone's choice. It's not my decision to make for for them or to judge them for what they did or didn't do. And I think if you haven't been in that situation, it is extremely hard to say, "Oh, I would did this or that." You know, you never know until, like Hunter, you never know until you are in that clinic or it's 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 go it's 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 happening to you, and then you'll know. Okay, I know what I thought before. This is what I am thinking now. And I don't know if this was a rush decision or if she's like, I've been thinking about this since I got pregnant. Because when she first gets when she gets pregnant, she first finds out she's not ecstatic; she's worried, and then she's not ready for it. Richie's ecstatic; he's so happy to be having a kid, and he, I guess he assumes it's going to be a boy. But the reactions just in that scene alone of how co- it's very subtle, but of how like. Fake happy she's being, and how extremely happy he is. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Pineapple Reels. If you've seen this movie swallow and there's something I didn't bring up, or something that you just wanted to have a conversation about, please don't hesitate to reach out to me. I greatly appreciate it and um, I like people posing questions or showing something that maybe I didn't see as a viewer and I saw this movie only twice. So I, pro- I might have missed something that you may have picked up. You can let me know via Instagram or Twitter at PineappleReels or via email um, PineappleReels at gmail.com. On the next episode of Pineapple I'll be covering writer and director Trey Edward Schultz Waves that came out in 2019 with my special guest, Kevin. Stay tuned.